before we start the show. The following is an excerpt from the April 10, 2017 episode of the Chet Sellers and Luke Peristi podcast. I could see, like, say we're in the second round, game five against the Habs, and all of a sudden, random Chris Neal reappearance. Like, I could see that happening. Just, you know, Chris Neal comes back for a playoff game at some point, just to, like, fire up the troops, plays four minutes or something like that, because Mouget's basically only going with a top nine. But that would be, that's another playoff narrative that I can see. I can see developing the random Chris Neal reappearance. That's right, mothers and fathers. We run this. Canada out here just waiting for somebody to try it. What? You dyed it in red. Remember Todd White. Where did Eric Carlson eat last night? It doesn't matter if you ask. It's the Chet and Luke Podcast. Good day, and welcome to Episode Smith, when he first got called up. I'm joined, as always, by the man who did not get a production credit for ghostwriting KP and Envy's modestly successful 1998 hit, Shorty Swing My Way, is Chuck Salters. Take it away, Chuck. <laughs> How you doing, man? Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Love the show. Pleasure. Oh. I'm glad you finally got over that cold. Yeah, my uh, velvety baritone, that's my trademark, has kind of adjusted since getting this new microphone. Well, I like the sort of old-timey radio thing you have going on. It works pretty well. I think, <laughs> I think this is already the best podcast we've ever done. So good system to you, sir. <laughs> and to you as well. No, remember the system <laughs> back when Ottawa played a very structured, defensively sound one three one setup. I <laughs> I remember those days well. Well, I remember that until Game Three in New York, there was no team in these playoffs, the Rangers or the Bruins, that seemed to be able to crack that system uh, and score more than a couple of goals on the Senators or win by a margin of greater than one goal. And I don't know if you were watching games three and game four, but uh, if there was a system, I hadn't heard about it uh, because no. it did not it did not look it did not look very good. Uh, I think those were the first two games of these entire playoffs that the Senators basically got blown out, and they got blown out in both. So my question to you, Luke Peristi, what is it about New York that the Senators can't seem to win there? Well, as Luke Peristi, I will go on record saying that uh, New York's transition game is just super intense to deal with. You know, you saw that in the game with two shorthanded goals given up. If they can get the hang of the puck in the neutral zone and off to the races, there's not much you can do outside of just pray that Anderson gets in front of it. I think that's true, and I think that you were seeing the last couple of games that when Anderson was not on, uh, which he really yeah. wasn't, there was not much that they could do. But I have to say, Luke Peristi, I'm surprised that in my asking you that question, you responded with serious analysis. Usually on this <laughs> podcast, we'd say something like, it's probably those New York City dollar slices. They've been eating too much pizza in New York. That's why they can't win in New York. It's too much pizza and cheesecake and bagels and showings of Hamilton, as opposed well, to any comes, actual system-based analysis. comes down to sodium count, you know. <laughs> they Maybe a little too much time at Katz's delicatessen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you get so swollen, you can't even take your wedding ring off. It's terrible. 
Oh, they find a way to get their wedding rings off, I think. <laughs> but after game three, I think Guy Boucher said, well, that's our worst game of the playoffs. That was a real slap in the face. And I saw after game four, I think it was Broussard that said, okay, well, you know, we're tied 2-2. We've been slapped in the face twice, and, you know, we're just ready for game five now. And I was kind of like, slap me once, shame on you. Slap <laughs> slap me twice, shame on me. Like, at a certain point, one slap is a wake-up call. Two slaps, you're just getting slapped around. <laughs> like, at that point, it's just a damn slap fight. It's not a, uh, a wake-up call. I was super worried about the lack of bounce back after you know they were kind of due for a stinker and you know game three up to nothing is a time i'll take that but uh to sort of almost play worse after that game i thought maybe they're just too banged up or something at this point no i i agree completely i felt the same way i was like all right you know game three that's a that's a schedule loss but then yeah, you know they're sure. they're getting ready outside they're getting ready outside the locker room for game four they're showing it on cbc and zach smith looks really fired up and i was just kind of like all right they're ready to go this is a w and within like 10 minutes it was like this is a fart in an elevator like it's not happening <laughs> they've now pulled their goalie eric carlson is not coming back for the third period like this is a punt so see you saturday i guess yeah and you have that mysterious uh dr feelgood element where you lose smith and ryan in the game before and they're just good to go the next day you know <laughs> yeah you don't really want to ask any questions about that you're just happy to see them shall we move on to game five I would love to move on to Game 5. <laughs> so the talk leading up to Game 5 was, hey, you know what this team needs is somebody who can take on Tanner Glass, who's making a huge difference for the New York Rangers oh, in the five minutes a night that he's playing. Uh, and that leads us to the biggest storyline leading up to Puck Drop on Saturday afternoon, which was the random Chris Neal, will-he-won't-he reappearance. Did you feel like it was definitely getting into they start showing that hater Tanner Glass highlight pack of him getting under Ottawa's skin and you're like are, are we really going to see the story of the series B and then Alain Vigneault put Tanner Glass in and that turned the tide for the Rangers <laughs> like yeah I know I was like, getting want... pretty worried there for a minute no, it's true. Like, you want to live your best life, and you want to say that you won the series on the merits, and if the the narrative becomes, you lost because you couldn't find an answer for Tanner Glass, like, that's not, that's not good at all. In a post-Dale uh, no, Weiss paradigm. <laughs> like, remember that guy <laughs> where it was just like, Dale Weiss is really in the senator's heads. Like, who is this guy? Like, I don't even know. I think he went to Chicago. Like, I don't even remember what happened to him. But that must have been what it felt like uh, for the Penguins when... Uh, Peter Regan was scoring two goals a game. <laughs> we can't find an answer for Peter Regan. And then it turned out that time found an answer for Peter Regan. Tanner Glass looks like sort of a dirtbag version of Freddie Clayson. Dale Weiss mm -hmm. looked like Kyle Turris's older brother who got thrown out of casinos. Like, I don't know what it is about these guys. They just have these punchable faces. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure people would say the same thing about Chris Neal. But second period, Chris Hold Neal on. Can basically... I just, <laughs> I just want to point out that Dale Weiss looks like if you put uh, Kyle Turris in a microwave for 15 seconds <laughs> before we before we move on 
No, fair enough. You're right. He does look like Kyle Turris, like crossbred with a ferret. You know, but but like on HGH, like he's huge. Yeah, so. clay animation, Kyle Turris. Best of luck in future endeavors, claymation Dale Weiss. <laughs> So when he um, when he came out in the first, like the crowd went absolutely nuts. And on the one hand, I was kind of like, well, you know what? He hasn't played for, you know, like a couple of months at this point. And if this is going to be kind of the end of his career, he's cheering his name. But it's like, if you're Chris Neal, do you sort of want your last game, if it is your last game, to be two minutes, three shifts, and a game <laughs> misconduct? Like, is that really the way you go out if you're Chris Neal? Because say what you want about Chris Neal. Like, I'm not his biggest supporter these days, but I will admit that he has been a useful player for the Senators over his career but he's not the like when you think back about Chris Neal he's not the three minutes fight a guy and get thrown out of the game kind of player right like he you know had a little bit more to him than that are you talking about now or back in the day? I'm talking about back in the day. Like, for sure. You know, yeah. Now he's your guy that you play. You play him for two or three minutes and he just fights a guy and he's gone in a playoff game. Like, you know, that's not how I want to remember Chris Neal, even if people are, you know, really excited to watch him, you know, basically rip off Tanner Glass's helmet like he's trying to pull start a lawnmower. Do you think that Chris Neal spends his time in airports and on planes just reading up on the different, uh, models of helmets of the players of the other team <laughs> like seeing where the weak point is on the chin strap where it's connected to you know like the ear and just like okay if i put all my weight into the left side his helmet will pop right off uh, no i mean and the thing is is that um helmet strength is only a quarterly publication it's not monthly yeah but it's specialist enough that they can charge pretty high subscription fees and you can be sure that uh that chris neal is a subscriber to that magazine yeah like uh this month we <laughs> Examine whether the new series of warrior helmets hurt more if you punch <laughs> with it on versus off. Oh, yeah. No, it's not like tensile strength, like testing. Like, it's literally just like we took this out to the parking lot and hit it with a bat. <laughs> That's all it is. To George Peros weighs in on how to best repair your knuckles after punching someone's visor. <laughs> Every ad in the magazine is for violent gentleman t-shirts. Yeah. So Chris Neal plays 2 minutes 26, whatever it turned out to be, tries to fight Tanner Glass in the first period. Glass wants nothing to do with it because you know that the Rangers were like, oh, so we have like basically dummied you enough that you were going to start Chris Neal and play him two minutes. No, we're not actually gonna fight him like we're gonna make you live with your decision so okay let's get to the moment that apparently narrative wise the whole game hinges on chris neal can't get a fight with tanner glass second period he decides enough's enough and basically after the senators have drawn a penalty on glass weren't the sends going to go on a power play and he ripped off glass's helmet and punched him in the top of the head once and then got a penalty for like half an hour after that so i wasn't watching on tv and i understand from the outraged reactions of people on twitter that the tv guys were loving that that even though he negated a power play that that was the wake-up call that was going to get the team fired up i will tell you how it was in the ring please everybody was really loving not everybody but certainly the people 
people that were cheering for Chris Neal in the first place were really loving that he was punching Tanner Glass in the top of the head. Like he was, you know, basically Once. trying to like, <laughs> you know, like he was trying to pound a, a loose shape of massa dough into tortillas. Uh, and and then it sort of dawned on everyone that, oh, he's negated this power play. Mm. So the cheers kind of <laughs> the cheers kind of dwindled fairly rapidly until everyone was like, oh, yes, this is the Faustian bargain. And it was like, you know, those those animated gifts that you see where it's like somebody's laughing and then something slowly dawns on them and then they look very <laughs> serious. Mm. It was that. But the 18,000 people in the entire rink, they were just like, oh, yes, this is what we wanted. Can I ask you something? Could you please? Would you? Chart. Chart. If I may. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, you know, we had a definite dip in the Sens play. Look, I'm a diehard fan, but I, I, I had my moments where I was like, you know what? The Rangers just look better in <laughs> game five. But you have a 2-1 win where Carlson banks it off of Lundqvist's nameplate from the goal line. Right. Then you have him give up Four goals to probably a kid that he's never heard of, who he discovered has his own chant. Right, that's game two. Gives up two two goal leads and a double overtime goal. Then they kind of curb stomp the Sens for a couple of games. Then they sort of outplay the Sens, give up a two goal lead, and then lose in overtime. Oh, and also give up the lead with what, 90 seconds left? Not even. Do you think? Do you think maybe they're getting in Lundqvist's head a little bit at this point? Or is he just too suave to have that happen to him? Oh, I, look, I'll be honest with you. Craig Anderson has been taking a lot of crap for this series. Some of it deserved, some of it not. Outside of Game 1, Lundqvist has not been that good. And, I mean, what helped him was that he wasn't tested particularly during Games 3 and 4. But he was fighting the puck all day yesterday. Like, he was, yeah. you know, they kept going high glove on him. He kept getting his shoulders up and just trying to, like... He looked like he just kept trying to shrug the puck off because he wasn't always seeing where it was. And I was just kind of like, you know, yeah, New York has dominated stretches of play here. But at the very least, they're starting to push back in a way they didn't in Game 3 and Game 4. Because you're right. They were not the better team in Game 2. They pulled it out late. They were not the better team in Game 3. They were not the better team in Game 4. Game 5 was like the first one that was actually kind of back and forth for most of it and yeah. I was like Lundqvist looks fatable like we have to do this here otherwise this series is over right yeah and that's basically what happened after the uh Chris Neal turning point in the second period they scored two goals with him sitting in the box because of course correlation equals causality as we all know your central beer house turning point of the game. <laughs> the thing is, is that, like, I don't really, again, I wasn't watching TV, so I don't know, you know, I understand that they were, the narrative on TV was the people saying, that's going to get this team fired up, that's a veteran move. Despite the fact that he didn't play again after his, you know, 10-minute misconduct, they were saying, but he's in the locker room, he's, you know, firing these guys up, he's, you know, the veteran guy who's speaking to them, you know, between periods, right. and 
I was like, is he just telling them like what not to do in there? Like, is this like a <laughs> is this like a goofus and gallant situation where he's just saying, I hope you guys are fired up by that because I do not recommend that you do that. Like, what is the I mean, look, I have never played the game. I don't know how it is in the room. But on the one hand, is this guy firing you up when at the same time you're like, oh, but we're also the other 11 forwards are going to have to play more minutes because he's basically only in for 226. Like, is that is that taken well, like, in the room? If you're like, or on the one hand, this guy's very motivational. On the other hand, I have to go out and double shift because we're never going to play him for the rest of the game. Yeah, and if he doesn't play, it's not like he's not there. Also, he's just wearing hockey equipment this time, so... <laughs> well, this, is, uh, this will... is the thing. Like, can't we, can't we figure out a way to, like, dress him but not put him on the roster? Like, just have him out of the lineup but rather than go to the press box he puts on all his gear and stands in the concourse outside the locker room and just yells stuff like can't we have some middle ground between completely out of the picture and having to be one of the 12 forwards yeah wearing a gaudy three-piece suit with skates hopping <laughs> foot to foot this is what i'm hitting, saying like uh, pajot in the butt with his stick like we give spartacat a cowbell surely there's some way that we can find a role for chris neal along those lines that gets all the positive benefits of him yelling at players and firing them up without actually taking up a roster spot like surely there's some mascot middle ground we can find here i did watch the game on tv that's right the the big narrative of the game wasn't Chris Neal. It was that Stepan, after a scrambly end to the period, skated from the bench over to Lundqvist and told him to calm down. Nick Kiprios and co. could not get over this to the point that they even talked about it after the game where essentially Lundqvist kind of blew it for them. <laughs> but like that leadership, though, and like I was just sitting there. I, and I, look, we're Sens fans. We're never going to get heaped with praise, no matter what. You could win, I don't know, like 21 games in a row to make the playoffs, and then it's like completely forgotten about. But I was kind of like, you know, a former Ranger just tied this game with his first point of the entire series. But let's get back to Stepan yelling at... Lundquist, who just <laughs> lost the game. <laughs> oh my god! I don't. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the advantages of being at the game uh, is that you don't have to put yeah. up with that stuff. But I will say, having been to all of the home games in the playoffs so far, out of all of them and out of all of the moments, there was nothing like even Pajot in game two. I would say nothing was as loud as when Brassard tied that game. Uh, with a minute 26 to go. That is the uh, in the entire playoffs, I swear, that is the loudest I've heard that building. Awesome. I mean, whatever else happens with these playoffs, I mean, in a yeah. typical year, you would yeah. get, like, one overtime magic moment, you know? You yeah. get, like, Kyle Turris against the Habs in 2013 or Kyle Turris against the Rangers in 2012 or, like, mm. the Colin Greening against the Penguins in 2013, that kind of thing. We now have, like, five separate game-winning overtime goals so far in this playoffs. And it's like, and yesterday, as good as it was, might have still only been, like, the third most exciting home overtime win of the playoffs so far. Like, I don't even know how to process oh. it at this point. Like, how do you, you know, you, there's just so much, there's, there's too much is happening, Luke, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you have Pajot scoring 
a hat trick on home ice in the playoffs doesn't get any better than that. The guy's like, hold my beer. How about I add a double overtime winner where, like we talked about on the previous podcast, never has there been a more obvious shot going like Pajot was ever going to pass to Wingles. Freezes up. Lundqvist and makes him look like an absolute statue on the fourth goal of the game. Like, and Peugeot is, almost as, wanted an overtime yesterday, too. Like, he had oh, Lundqvist yeah. beat. He has five goals this series. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's our Dale Weiss. How dare like you? How dare you? <laughs> yeah, that was gross. Um, <laughs> please edit that out. <laughs> well, I'm Luke Peristi, well, now, whatever. Well, now I won't. What I can't get over is as good as those mid 2000s senators teams were take the game where they had a 3 nothing lead in boston and then they give it up if that happened to those old sens teams you'd be like we're going to lose this series and then this team wins the game in overtime still <laughs> like <laughs> yesterday they're down one goal with like 3 minutes left and i was like i like our chances <laughs> You know, like I, I, this is. There's been a real re-education with the Guy Boucher sends team of 2016-17. Like, you go into overtime, like, yeah, I, th- I, I think we could pull this out. Like in the past, those teams were more skilled, but there's just they were hard to be as confident in. I think, like, you have your, you know, Chris Phillips own goal type situations going. I, I completely agree. And I mean, on the one hand, you can look at the fact that of the seven games they've won so far, five have been in overtime and the other two have been by one goal to say you guys are really living close to the edge here. You're getting a little lucky. On the other hand, they keep coming back from being down. The Rangers have scored first in all five games in this series. You know, at a certain point, you can say, hey, they're actually kind of resilient. And if you punch them in the face, they're not just going to go away. I don't attribute that solely to Chris Neal uh, because Chris Neal wasn't playing for the vast majority of game five. But they are at the very least going to keep pushing back. And they are now in a position where they can go to New York and win this series. As you and I definitely talked about in our last podcast you know what I could go for? A 6 nothing blowout win. Like, take it easy on us once. <laughs> like, that Bruins series aged me visibly. <laughs> I know. And this one, this one is getting there, too, right? For sure. I really, really don't want to be watching Game 7 on Thursday night hoping that they can pull it out at home. Like, I would... (laughs) This is going to sound like a very controversial opinion, but I would love for them to Mm. win Game 6 and end this series. Wow. Area man (laughs) wants team to succeed sooner than later. They won all their games in TD Garden against the Bruins. Like, you can win one game in MSG. Like, win on the road, ruin, you know, their season, uh, make the fans go home unhappy. Like, (laughs) we've had that enough in Ottawa. They deserve it in New York. Absolutely. They got other stuff to do. Although, (laughs) shout out to driving out of the CTC yesterday. The two Rangers fans in uh, Yermir Yager jerseys uh, that were trudging with no umbrellas and no coats in the pouring rain back to like the Fairfield Marriott (laughs) at Terry Fox where they were staying for the weekend. Shout out to the soaked guy in the Yager jersey who, when he was getting honked at by Sens fans, just pulled his 
jersey up and showed everyone in traffic his like 300 pound belly like i i support amazing that guy. yeah there you yeah. go it'd be a long drive back to ogdensburg man <laughs> Uh, but you're right. In the 2012 series, I think uh, the Sens were up 3-2 and then lost the last two games. Uh, but game seven. This ain't that, your daddy's Sens team. That's so. exactly right. And they do have home ice. Uh, so I would like to see them end it, end it on Tuesday night. Me too. And, uh, you know, I think that New York's transition game is super intense and scary. I think they have really good forward depth. I think their defense is garbage and uh lundquist hasn't looked that good it reminds me of it reminds me of uh round one where it's like yeah tuka rask is a pretty intimidatingly good goaltender who doesn't look worlds better than our goaltender so you know i like our chances ah but game six are you starting chris neal oh uh i I (laughs) would like to with success luke I would like to think that Boucher's got enough common sense that, you know, this might be his swan song moment, his punch in the top of Tanner Glass's head heard round the world and then comes to his senses and puts, uh, I don't know, who, who, do you, who do you put back in? Oh, you put in either um, Zingle or Wingles, one of the two. Yo, remember Ryan Dezingle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, on the one hand, I can see them saying, let's not mess with success. We'll keep uh, Neil in there. We'll play him another two minutes and overwork the other 11 forwards. But on the other hand, it's like if Chris Neal has given you this big motivational lift by yeah. going out there and being that guy, why does he why did why can't we maintain that lift without having him in the lineup for the next game? Like, why can't you go into Tuesday night and be like, hey, Hey, remember when Neil hit like ripped off Tanner Glass's helmet? I'm still pumped up by that. We don't need to start him because I'm still pumped up by that. Like, let's keep yeah. that going. Yeah, we don't need Ryan Dezingle's speed and ability to carry the puck for three strides. We need Chris Neal cheering us on from the penalty box for his 10-minute major for ripping a guy's helmet off. Um, okay, well, good system to you and yours during this playoff season and uh, we'll see you next time all right we'll see you next time definitely luke Peristi and uh <laughs> chart snelters there you go all right <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Peristi and sellers were a couple of fellers who both still live with their moms breaking the town's local hockey team down with some microphones on no other podcast was finer Or was more of a hit with the big rig diners We never thought they'd make it past episode 5 Whoa, somehow these dudes named Chet and Peristi are live Whoa, whoa, whoa And Kyle Turris is now the all-time franchise leader in overtime playoff goals How about that? I used to load up the video of him Scoring against uh, Lundqvist from the beautiful drop pass from Jim O'Brien, God bless the dead, when I was having a bad day. And uh, it's crazy to think that there's more of those videos to load up because I got a lot of bad days coming in the future. I feel <laughs> we, like. all, we all do, buddy. We all do. 